Hi, everyone. This is the first part of my rankings of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. In this episode, I'll be starting at number 32 and working my way down to number 24. I really have enjoyed this project of mine. It's very new. It's a new experience for me. And I hope to grow to continue to grow and learn from this podcast. So I hope this is very informative and entertaining to everyone. So please, thank you for listening. I figured the best way to start off my podcast is through a classic quarterback rankings. I mean, as I'm sure everyone else can relate. Uh, I mean, dating back to when I was a teenager and I first got into football, it's all about who has the best quarterback. And I mean, with 32 different quarterbacks, there's a lot of different debates on who's better than who. And it's particularly, okay, who would you rather have in a given situation? But it all comes down just to who is the best quarterback in the NFL at this point. So to begin this exercise, I will start at number 32. And I believe that is Sam Howell of the Washington Commanders. From my knowledge, he started only one game last year in a meaning, meaningless week, what is it, week 18 game. And he had like very mediocre staff. I believe he had one touchdown, one interception. He had one long touchdown, not one long touchdown throw, but one long pass. And I remember it going back into college at when he was at UNC Chapel Hill. He was compared to a, almost like a poor man's Baker Mayfield, which... I think it's fairly accurate. He has a pretty decent arm. He's actually pretty mobile. He's decently mobile or athletic enough in today's game. But he's, I mean, when you say, especially now, as you'll see, Baker Mayfield's not too much higher above him in this list. A poor man's Baker Mayfield is not a great compliment. But I believe he's good enough to be a solid backup in this league. And I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm certainly interested to see how good he will be for Washington. Uh, like there was speculation he was a first-round quarterback in going into his final year at UNC, or he unfortunately didn't have a great season, and seeing him end up being drafted in one of the later rounds. So it will be a very fascinating season to see how he does, uh, especially with uh, Eric Bieniemy and some decent offensive weapons for the uh, for the Commanders or what they're whatever they're going to be called now. So. You know what? Hey, he has, he's starting, so he has a chance. I will now move on to uh, number 31, which I believe is Anthony Richardson for the Indianapolis Colts. He is someone who, I mean, as far as raw traits, is he up there with Josh Allen and maybe Justin Herbert as in the NFL? Just between his athletic ability, his speed, his elusiveness, elusiveness as a runner and his arm talent I mean it's certainly unbelievable uh like he had a great game against Utah in the first week of the college football season uh, last year where that was all on display but he the rest of the season he wasn't that good I mean Florida was certainly had a forgettable season by their standards and is that, I mean, does he know how to play the game well? Like, yeah, he has all the talent to do it, but can he put it all together? Uh, I don't know. And the first, when he played in the preseason, his first game, 
he had some throws where he looked in control. He looked in command of the offense. But he also had one pick, which, I mean, what are you going to do? But he had one good throw that was deep down, deep down into the sideline. I think it should have been a caught touchdown, but it turned out not to be. So you can't count a touchdown when it's not caught. Um, and then the most bizarre part was when he played in week three of the preseason, I, I kept reading articles on sports websites and it said, oh, he had a very impressive game, but he went six for 17 throwing. Like, how can he be impressive when you throw for six for 17? That's about 38% like completion rating in the preseason when everyone knows you're throwing the ball. Or, I mean, not everyone knows you're throwing the ball, but it's very vanilla very vanilla defenses and very plain offense. So if you struggle in that situation, I don't know. I mean, is he going to be too raw to function? He's going to put up great stats, maybe similar to the rookie year of Josh Allen, but I don't know. I'm certainly intrigued to watch. It's going to be, it's going to be fun either way, whether he's putting up great stats or it's just throwing bombs at throwing missiles 70 yards down the field and maybe someone will be down there uh, i certainly hope so he's certainly a fun player to watch now at number 30 i believe it's cj stroud for the houston texans he just went number two overall in the most recent draft in the 2023 draft and as i mean the immediate concern which is unfairly held against him is that has every Ohio State quarterback failed in the NFL? I mean, maybe it was one a long time ago, but Justin Fields, uh, he's certainly not guaranteed success yet. Uh, who was it now? Uh, there was like Cardell Jones, 12 gauge from a number of years ago, who should have probably left school to make the most out of his NFL career, but he didn't. And now he's out of the NFL. Um, God, it's like JT Barrett. Yeah, JT Barrett. JT Barrett, he was a backer for the Saints last time I, I remember him, but that was a few years ago at this point. Um, Troy Smith was, yeah, Troy Smith, uh, Terrell, Pro Terrell Pryor was kind of fun. Anywho, not to get lost in the point. CJ Stroud follows the long line of Ohio State quarterbacks who have gone to the NFL with promise, but who knows what they're going to be in the end. And as far as special, is there much special? It's like, yeah, he's a pretty good arm. He's kind of athletic, but he's not certainly not nearly as gifted as Anthony Richardson, who I think is a little bit behind him. But he did put up very, he was very successful in uh, college, and his last game in college against Georgia was an unbelievable game where he actually displayed like athletic ability, which to that point, he just looked like a pocket passer. So if he shows off some of that in the NFL, especially when he's trying to learn the offenses, offense and defense, he just run around by some time while he tries to figure it out, which is an asset. Um, like he's was pretty accurate in college, uh, but the problem is he's going from Ohio State Ohio State wide receivers who are awesome to Texans wide receivers who are not awesome to say the least. Uh, I mean, no disrespect, but. It's 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 a bit of a drop off, especially it's a drop off in wide receiver talent, especially compared to uh, defenses are going to be significantly harder now to play against, and he's going to be on inferior teams where he was almost always on the better team in college. Um, 
So, and in the preseason, he did a uh, well. His first first preseason was against Bill Belichick, which people always say like, "Oh yeah, Bill Belichick eats up rookies," but. This is preseason, and it's vanilla defense. It's not like he's scheming to kill him in the preseason. And he threw a pass, and C.J. Stroud threw a pass across his bot, across the field and got intercepted. It was not a great throw, but hey, it was preseason. preseason. Nothing counts anyways. And, uh, yeah, so, and yeah, I think the next time he played, he played better. It's, it was only a little bit better. Anywho, he has a lot to prove. He certainly has some doubters. And uh, if CJ Stroud succeeds with uh, D'Amico Ryans at the, in the Houston Texans, that would be very interesting and would certainly help the uh, Texans recover ever since the uh, Deshaun Watson debacle. Anyways, I hope he does well. Okay, at number 29 now, bro just broke the top 30, and this person did have some a fair amount of playing time last year was Desmond Ritter uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Ritter, he played at Cincinnati on those teams that kept wanting to compete for a national championship, and they finally got their chance to play in the college football playoffs, and I remember it was against Alabama, and that did not go great, but... Hey, he, had, he was very successful at Cincinnati, and he was drafted into third round in the previous draft. And he played, and he looked decent. Like, yeah, it wasn't he was he was not Patrick Mahomes or anything spectacular, but he was functioning. He was playing, and they won a few games with him. And hey, they. Uh, the Falcons have some pretty sweet weapons on their offense. I mean, they just drafted B. John Robinson to be the running back, and they have Drake London, I believe, for a wide receiver, and then Kyle Pitts from a few years ago, which Kyle Pitts becomes the player that he is expected to be. That's a pretty good offense, and when you have talent like that, you just have to throw it in just anywhere. I mean, you have to throw it very accurately, but it certainly helps when you have great offense. T offensive talent where if they get the ball in their hands, just get the ball in their hands and they're going to make plays. And with a, uh, with a head coach that will has certainly had success with a variety of different quarterbacks from uh, Arthur Smith, the head coach, sorry, who has certainly helped, uh, uh, helped uh, Ryan Tannehill like rejuvenate his career. Desmond Ritter, I'd say similar athlete to Ryan Tannehill. I'm not saying they're the same, but hey, I mean, Ryan Tannehill can move. He was a wide receiver in college, and Desmond Ritter can run. He ran a bit, so hey, if he uh, Arthur Smith can make the most out of Desmond Ritter, this team could be sneaky competitive. I mean, they certainly could maybe compete in the uh, NFC South. So, yeah, so yeah, Desmond Ritter at number 29. Next up is Bryce Young at number 28 for the Carolina Panthers. He recently went number one overall in the NFL draft. And he, people often describe him as a point guard. He certainly knows how to facilitate the, facilitate the offense. He gets the ball to the correct people. And that's allowed him to be very successful at Alabama. But I guess my initial concern is, a lot of quarterbacks in recent years have done very well at Alabama, 
and he didn't win a national championship. Like Jalen Hurts, uh, well, his, Tua won the national championship. Uh, Tua and Jalen Hurts won the national championship for Alabama quite a few years ago. And then uh, Mac Jones won the national, they dominated during the COVID season. And then Bryce Young comes in and the team was obviously very, very, very good, but they just couldn't beat Georgia. They weren't good enough to beat Georgia. And uh, so is Bryce Young a product of the Alabama system a little bit? Like, is there a chance he is? And he, he's decently mobile. He could run around, but he's not going to be athletic by NFL standards, especially quarterback standards. And he has a decent arm to like push the ball down the field, but I would say maybe above average. It's certainly not elite. And the number one problem, which everyone points out, is he is a small man. Like 5'10", maybe. He was somehow 200 for the NFL draft uh, draft uh, combine. But, I mean, when you see him in t-shirt shorts, he looks closer to 185. And when he's going to get hit by uh, players who are defensive ends, who are nearly almost like 300, like 270, 250, 270, 300. When he gets hit and they're going at speed, he's going to bounce off of them straight into the ground. And no matter how tough he is, which he seems, he must be tough. And in when he played Georgia, I think it was a national championship game, he played great while just keeping hit by players. I mean, if you're tough, that's fantastic. But if you're getting... It doesn't matter how tough you are if you just keep getting ragdolled into the ground and beat up. It has to be concern. Uh, and he's just going to get hurt. And I, I mean, Colin Coward had a good uh, he had a good strategy, had a good uh, what was what did I say? A good theory on why you should draft Bryce Young. He is good enough to help make your offense viable. He is good enough to be number one overall pick. But there's concern he won't last very long. But if it's just if the purpose of drafting him is to make you relevant for a few years, like plug and play and let's go for a few years, but he breaks down by the time he's 27, 28, 29, that's okay because your team will be could be successful, could compete for the playoffs, and be in a position where once you build up the uh, the, off, the offensive line, the wide receivers, the defensive end, and skill positions around him, you just plug in. You could draft another quarterback, which. It sucks for Bryce Young, but for the Panthers, I mean, Bryce, the Panthers are drafting him, drafting him to help them be a better team, which he certainly will help them be a better team than last year. And I, I like Bryce Young. I want him to do well, but his size is a huge problem and factor, I believe. At number twenty-seven, we have everyone's favorite quarterback to. Well, I don't know. You make the judgment. Favorite quarterback to do some to talk about maybe is Baker Mayfield at number twenty-seven for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's had a very interesting career because he started obviously he went number one to the Cleveland Browns and immediately helped them win games when they were like what one and thirty-one the past few years before him. And with a joke of a head coach, uh, Hugh Jackson, which nice guy, probably. I mean, I think it's a pretty good offensive mind, but for some reason his team stink. Um, and Baker Mayfield is certainly a uh, 
he had some good moments with the Browns. He was a bit inconsistent, but he helped them get to the playoffs. They throttled the Steelers in the wild card matchup in in the Steelers without their head coach Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski, and was like a few drives away from potentially beating the uh, beating the Chiefs when Patrick Mahomes got knocked out of the game. Um, and then he tried to play through injury the next year. But he it was like a left arm, left shoulder injury, a left labrum, and he wasn't playing well. And everyone says, especially the NFL, you, like, everyone needs to play through injury. You get credit for playing through injury. But what happened to Baker Mayfield, and you found out, you don't get credit through for playing through injury when you play poorly. And, well, I thought, I mean, he should have given, given another year, given another chance, but... Ownership wanted to kick the tires on a Deshaun Watson, give him a the best, arguably the best contract in NFL history, like five years, two hundred thirty million, just completely guaranteed for a player who sat out the year, had so many legal problems. Such so Browns doing Browns things, right? Um, so, uh, so anyways, you get obviously Baker Mayfield goes to the Carolina Panthers where he. Uh, starts uh, over Sam Darnold, but immediately they, the team struggles dramatically. So he gets moved to the Rams and had his best moment of the season, or most one of the most memorable games in recent memory, where he showed up 48 hours before their the Rams home game against the Raiders and led a 98-yard 98, 98 uh, game-winning touchdown drive against the Raiders when he probably just played they're probably just running that in place for him. That was incredible. And then they uh, did the Baker Mayfield led Rams go on to uh, destroy the Broncos in a memorable or infamous for the Broncos uh, Christmas Day game. And by dropping like 50 Brigger on them. So, I mean, Baker Mayfield had some good moments last year, but it was also a lot of moments where he wasn't very good at all. And he's given one more chance to be a starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, hey, the Buccaneers still have some talent. I mean, mean, it'll be interesting to see if it was more of Tom Brady struggling last year that held them back. Or if it was just the team's not great, which is probably more of the latter because Tom Brady's awesome, even when he was 45. Yes, Baker Mayfield has the talent still that made him go number one overall. He has a very strong arm, especially for his size. But he's not very accurate. He's pretty small. He sometimes thinks to think he's more athletic than he really is. Um, So, and even last year, yes, he has Mike Evans this year, but he had DJ Moore last year, and he struggled with the Panthers. So... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very true that he may not be starting by the second half of the second half of the year. But hey, there's also a solid chance they're competitive, especially in the NFC South. It's not a very good division, so he can hey, he can make some noise, and that would be exciting for the league because he's certainly a big talking point, and he can move back up and be a relevant starting quarterback again. At number 26, it's now the Mr. Unknown of Jordan Love for the for the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love, who drafted a few years ago very memorably during the COVID, COVID year, 
And it was very shocking when the Packers traded up to get him in the first round, and they had a Aaron Rodgers who is still very he was still very good, but he had been declining the past few years. And people love to speculate that it was the Jordan Love pick that fueled the fire to make Aaron Rodgers go go back to back MVP years and be awesome. Just return to form, maybe even better than he was in his younger years. And Jordan Love was sat on the bench just learning from him for from Aaron Rodgers for most of that time. Uh like the most people saw from Jordan Love, which is in the preseason, where for the first few years he was not playing very well. And then he had that infamous game against the Chiefs when uh, Rodgers tested positive for COVID. And Jordan Love just did not look ready. I mean, the Packers could have won that game because Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing well. It was pretty low scoring. But Jordan Love just looked a bit overwhelmed, which you can't blame anyone, right, for being up against Patrick Mahomes in a spot they don't expect to be in. But last year he filled in. Uh, he went and he played a bit for uh, for Aaron Rodgers during the Eagles game. And Jordan Love made some plays. He started looking better. Started looking more comfortable in the offense. And even this preseason, he continued to look good. I mean, he moved the ball. He made plays that were more than just the vanilla basic, just throw it to the sideline or throw it like throw a nice quick slant or a curl route. He made some plays that looked pretty good. And he, he'll he certainly get protection from the uh, David Bakhtiari and the rest of the Packers O-line. And there's a chance that he does pretty well. I, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be a Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers level. But even Aaron Rodgers struggled a bit his first full year starting because he went 6-10. and 10. I think there's a pretty good chance Jordan Love does much better. It's a uh, division that... All teams are pretty competitive, and the Detroit Lions are the favorites, which, interesting time to be alive. The Detroit Lions are the favorites to win a division. And uh, Jordan Love's certainly in control of an offense that has has young, skilled pieces, uh, a wide receiver, has uh, running backs who can certainly pound the ball forward, and a very good uh, coach, Matt LaFleur. And... It'll be interesting to see how the Packers look on offense without Aaron Rodgers, who Aaron Rodgers certainly grows up, grew up, has an understanding of the offense of how he wants to do it. And now this will certainly be a Matt LaFleur offensive-led game plan. And Jordan Love's at the driver's seat, has talent, has a strong arm, he's mobile, he could do well. And it'll be exciting to see how he does. Now, this is always a this is a very interesting quarterback to talk about. Number 25, it's the Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields. He is a human highlight reel. He is so fun to watch. His arm is impressive. His running ability is pretty arguably now second to none. Watching him in Ohio State, he was awesome. And I was shocked he didn't go number two overall in the draft, especially after uh, Ohio State crushed uh, Clemson. Uh, in the college football playoff uh, semifinal. And he was hurt. He initially got hit hard early in the game. I think it, was, it might have been an illegal hit, too, but he played awesome. He had some awesome throws, most memorably a like, throw where he threw it like 60 yards in the air all across the field into a perfect catch by the wide receiver in the end zone. And then he goes... Was, then he falls a little bit in the draft. He goes, I think he's a fourth quarterback behind Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Then it turns, yeah, 
Yeah, then it's uh, yeah, then it was Justin Fields, then Mac Jones. So Justin Fields, he plays, he certainly has highlights, but does he know how to play the quarterback position? Like he has a five and twenty record for a reason, and I don't think the Bears were that terrible at offensive pieces, especially the first few years. I mean, I guess last year it wasn't good, but five and twenty as a top top prospect is not good. And people are saying he's a fringe MVP candidate. Are you kidding me? Hey, if you go, if you're five and twenty in your career and you've not proven anything, no one can take you seriously yet until you do something. Besides, run around and make plays, which is a hell of a lot of fun to watch and makes him look awesome. But he needs to be able to pass the ball effectively, not just on deep bombs. He needs to be accurate, time like timing throws. And just move the ball little by little. And hopefully with the addition of offensive pieces like DJ Moore, most notably. And uh, and uh, I think it was Claypool who was added halfway through the year too. But have him like full offseason under the belt. Develop some uh, develop some timing with the players. They, I mean, just rack up the yak, the yards have to catch. And be able to be a very effective quarterback with that can make be a game manager but have plays that are unbelievable and help you win games without losing the game either with horrendous plays. He certainly has the high flo- high ceiling, but his floor is, with his given record of 5-20, and 20, still pretty low. And Dustin Fields, I wish him all the best. And I think there's a 50-50 shot. He can make, turn the corner and be a very effective, possibly top 10 quarterback. Now, at number 24, it is uh, a Mr. Unlimited, or a.k.a. Russell Wilson, uh, quarterback for the Denver Broncos. As, I mean, it's well documented, he was drafted in the third round of the NFL draft in 2012, and wasn't expected to be much for the Seattle Seahawks, and because the Seahawks already drafted Matt Flynn, or not drafted, but they, uh, they uh, signed Matt Flynn and signed up for a fairly large contract at the time. And uh, Russell Wilson beat him out as a rookie to win the starting quarterback job. And in my opinion, I think he was he played the best of all the rookies that year. And that was in the same class as uh, I mean Andrew Luck, RG three when he was still great for the one for the time being. And uh, he was Russell Wilson was phenomenal. And they went to the he won, they won the the Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl with the Legion of Boom in his second year. Um, and then the third year, he played great in the Super Bowl up until the infamous goal line interception where um, Malcolm Butler caught the ball and became a household name and uh, Legion of Boom imploded, especially with the picture of Sherman. Richard Sherman looked like he's going to throw up on the sideline when that ball was intercepted. And so, yeah, Russell Wilson was a multiple-time pro bowler for several years with the Seattle Seahawks. And... It was weird because this narrative started developing where it was just it was basically just let Russ cook, like let him cook, uh, like narrative of that Pete Carroll who'd been very successful and was holding him back with a archaic offense that would just come around and run the ball, and then at the last minute would rely on Russell Wilson to save them, and uh, he often did, and he was awesome, and 
So I forget a few years ago, he's, they started airing the ball out, started cooking. They started doing interceptions. So Pete Carroll said, no, we're not cooking anymore. Get out of the kitchen. Um, and it came back around where it was always just weird things were going on about weird drama. And eventually it all led to Russell Wilson being traded uh, last year to the Broncos for a fair amount of picks. And it looked like, wow, did Seattle just get fleeced? I mean, Russell Wilson is still in his like 32, 33 at the time. He could still be great for the Broncos several more years, especially with Tom Brady playing until he's 45. Like, oh, Russell Wilson's forever. Russell Wilson's doing all this for his body. And then last year, he, like, game one against the Seahawks was the best game of his... I think it was the best game of his season last year, and he was okay. And then it became very evident of, uh, does he know what's going on out there? Okay, going back to week one, there's the most famous play, the most memorable play is when uh, the Seahawks are on fourth down, midfield, they're like a minute left on the clock, trying to win the game in fourth quarter, and they, for some reason, they let 30 seconds go by, and then Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach at the time, just calls timeout and decides to, let's kick a 64-yard field goal. Yeah, that, I mean, the bit, a large part of that's on the coach, of course, but... Russell Wilson's a veteran quarterback who's been in the league for like 10, 11 years at that point. Why can't he just call timeout? Why can't he just take over? Like, why, how did he not know? Uh, anyway, that was weird. And then all this, man, he started playing very poorly because he just wasn't in, he didn't, he wasn't running like he was in the best shape, whether he was unwilling or unable to. It seems like maybe unwilling because he could still run a little bit, but. He wasn't running, and he seemed to have lost a step. So when he was trying to be elusive, people would catch him from behind, and he would be on the ground. He couldn't throw the ball effectively in the offense. He was, for a large part of the year, there was a narrative of, okay, he has more bathrooms in his house, 13, than he had total touchdowns, which he only had 16 by the end of the year. So maybe get a house with less bathrooms, so that's not an issue. But that's not the point. He struggled with Nathaniel Hackett, and it's going to be very interesting to see with Sean Payton to discover, okay, Sean Payton's obviously a better coach than Nathaniel Hackett, but Nathaniel Hackett had pretty some... I mean, he held Blake Bortles years ago, produced some decent seasons statistically, and Blake Bortles not even in the league anymore. Uh, And uh, Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs with him. Um... so, and then when the Fanny Hockett left, Russell, uh, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the same. And so maybe Fanny Hockett's pretty good as scheming. Probably, I mean, he's not very good with clock management, as I think we could all, we all know just from watching. And then the crowd, the Broncos crowd helping, helping time down the clocks. So and Fanny Hockett knows what's going on is optically a disaster in week two, but. Anywho, uh, I mean, it all comes down. The Broncos' success this year will come down to how Russell Wilson is. If he's be able to be anywhere close to what he was with the Seattle Seahawks, the Broncos are going to look great, and they're going to feel comfortable having paid him a buttload of money. That's, the extension doesn't even kick in this year. Oof, that could not age well. But if he plays poorly, again... It will ding, unfortunately, Russell Wilson's legacy, and it will make the Seahawks, especially Pete Carroll and John Snyder, that GM, 
looked brilliant for being able to get so many picks for a, a player that they knew was declining but were able to mask it. And the only telltale sign of that was his win record with the last last year with Seattle was not the same. So, hey, I love Russell Wilson. I, I mean, after Christmas, I received his jersey uh, in 2012, his rookie year. I thought he was awesome. He's so much fun to watch, especially when he's like he's a good guy. It's a character guy. He could be a bit weird now these days, where he's like just on the field going, I mean, with no one else out there, and it's good practice, but. Maybe you could do that not without without the cameras, right? Um, but hey, he 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 believes in his faith. He's a good person. I believe he's a great person. He has a mission in his life. I believe in a higher purpose, which is all good, of course. And uh, I just hope he's able to turn back the clock. Is when Russell Wilson's good, I think the league's a better place to be in. Thank you for listening to this episode. Next episode, I will be starting at number twenty-three. And then working my way down to number 15. So continue to listen. And I fully appreciate the support.